So we did last night an entire Amr of arguably the most bizarre story in Brachas. We had Barhedja, who was a dream teller, and Barhedja had this nasty policy. Based on the Gemaras, we've been learning that all dreams follow the interpretation, even up to the point that one dream can have several interpretations if different people interpret it differently. So we have Barhedja, who had this nasty policy that if you, if you paid him cash, he interpreted your dream favorably. And if you did not pay him, if you stiffed him, he interpreted your dream terribly. And we had a long, long series of Abaya and Rava each dreaming the same dream. Abaya who paid got a favorable spin. Rava who didn't pay got an extremely unfavorable spin. And, and we're talking terrible things. Rava's wife died based on his dream interpretations. Rava's kids died based on his dream interpretations. Rava lost all his money. Rava divorced two other wives. Rava lost his business. Rava lost everything. Rava went into depression. All because of Barhedja messing him over. Finally, we're up to the conclusion of this story. So I would say it's about 12 lines on the bottom of Nudvavam Abayz. The last, no, Nudvavam Adalf, I'm sorry, Nudvavam Adalf, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So, so finally, the last dream, Omale, Rava tells him, Akrian, we were, I was read in my dream, Halal Mitzra'a, the Halal of Mitzrayim. Me and you know this as halal, but Rashi explains that we say halal whenever a nase happened to us, and the prototypical nase, in fact, the model for all nisim, is Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. So anytime we say halal, it's a me'ain of halal Mitzrayim. Therefore, the halal that we call halal is called halal Mitzrayim. So Rava said, Bahedja had a dream. By the way, Rava started paying him, so we're at the stage of the story where he got good interpretations. So... I had a dream last night. I was I was reading Halal. I'm like, wow, Nisa Misrachishlach. You're going to experience a miracle. That's what the chat in your dream is. Now it happened to have been that Rav and Barhedja were in a boat at that time. He was going with him in a boat. At which point Barhedja, not the smartest tool in the shed, chapped, oh my god. The last place you want to be with a guy who a nace is going to happen to him is in a boat. And it's, well, I mean, nowadays we would say an airplane. That means that there's going to be a problem and you're going to get saved. I'm, I'm out of here. Amr Bahade Gavra, together with a guy, that's going to happen to my Lovely. What am I doing? So, so Barhedja got out of there in a huff. Bahadi de Kasalik, as he was, you know, remember like in the olden days, you had to climb up a ladder from the dock to get off the boat. So as Barhedju was climbing up the ladder to get off the boat, Nafal Siframine, his book, which was entitled Dream Telling for Dummies, fell out of his pocket. Meaning the manual of how to interpret dreams fell out of his pocket. So, and he was running for his life. So Rava picks up the book. And he opens up to the most well-thumbed page. And he sees in there, Ashkechei Rava, V'chazen, he saw, Davik Sivbe, 
Which again, Kasha number 20 on this sugya. Rava didn't know this, but apparently Rava didn't know this cardinal rule that we've been discussing, that dreams are entirely up to the dream teller. At which point Rava, like the whole world came crashing down on him. That, oh my gosh, every single tragedy that I just went through was voluntary. It didn't have to be. You know, when, when, when a person goes through a rough time, the best thing that he could tell himself is, Hashem decided this and this is what has to be. And then I could deal with it much better. But when a person goes through a trouble that didn't have to be, it, it's, it's, it's excruciating. So Rava said, I'm a Russia, you Russia. Bididach, no seltzer. Bididach, kaime, it was up to you. Vitzerat and kulihai, and you caused me so much pain. You know, kulo machilnoch. Listen, I could be meichel everything. The business, I could be meichel to you. All the stuff, I could be meichel you. But my wife, which was Rebchista's daughter, I can't be meichel that. What about his kids? So different Mepharshim say different things. The easiest part is, I meant my wife and kids. You know, the, the family stuff, I could, the money stuff, whatever, we could talk about. But the family stuff, I can't, I can't. So Rava cursed him. Yehi Rava. That's Yehi Ratzin in Aramaic. The Limsaru Gavra, I give you a curse that you should be handed over to a government that has no mercy on you. The curse Rava gave him was that I hope you get caught by the most ruthless government in the world. So Barhedja said, Oh boy, Amar Mayevid. Barhedja said, Uh oh, what do I do now? Gimiri. We know, we have a tradition to kill a last chacham afilu b'chinam hiba. If a chacham curses you, even if it's undeserved, it's going to happen. The kolshkein rava, for sure rava, dibedina kalayit. Rava cursed me legitimately, I'm really dead. That's the dilemma that Barhedja found himself in. But let's just take one minute to talk about those three words. Dibedina kalayit? Rava cursed me legitimately. Is there such a thing? There is a Pasik in the Torah. The Pasik tells us, The Gemara in its Sanhedrin explains this, that you cannot curse another Yid. From the highest Yid, from the Nasi, to the biggest Nebuch Yid, you cannot curse another Yid. It's an Isser in the Torah to curse a Yid. You should know. It's from the it's from the underrated Lavin that we're over all the time. Um, you never wish bad on anyone. You, you, you're not liberal. <laughs> and I was like, and I was, you you really you know I tell this to guys in high school all the time. Ah, I hope you break your leg. Well, that's a lav in the terror. You know, I hope you die. That's a for sure lav in the terror. You, you're not going to say these things. Not, it's even not from Rubba's perspective. Meaning, regardless of whether Rubba should or shouldn't. Was it, was it a reaction to something that... What's, okay, we'll talk about that in a second. What we're focusing on in the words is the Bedina Kalayit. Rava cursed him legitimately. Because he's, he's, he's not Jewish. His actions. Oh, so one second. So the, the not Jewish thing we said last night, I, I, I lost him. 
No one else goes like that. Everyone, everyone hacks this. Isn't like, uh, okay, okay, okay. So, like, so that that's everyone's cash. There's a minchas that asks the same kasha on another famous person in Jewish history, Elisha Hanavi. There were these boys that were bothering Elisha Hanavi. The Barbanel says that they were they were Nevi'e Habal's kids. They were like, you know, the other team's kids. But there were these kids that were bothering Elisha. Elisha put on them a nasty curse and it happened. So the Mepharshim asked, how did Elisha, how did Elisha do this to him? The Mechaschinach says in Reish Aleph that perhaps if someone is driving you nuts, if someone is really, really causing you pain, it's better to curse them back. Menchaschinach entertains such a tzad. But the Menchaschinach says, I can't find anywhere in Gemara or Rambam a source for this. So they say, Menchaschinach, why don't you bring from this Gemara? This Gemara, you have Rava, it's a Gemara in Shas, you have Rava cursing somebody, and Lechaira, the, the, the uh, excuse, the legitima- legitimation of the curse is is the fact that he was bothering you. So knows, that would be a beautiful pshat in the Gemara. The Menchaz says that that may be a justification for cursing another Yid. And the Menchaz just says, I wish I would have someone in Shas that says this. Well, here you have it. So I don't know if this is a kash on the Menchaz if it's a riot to the Menchaz but Lamaisa, that's point number one. Point number two to what you said, the Chazanish in Sanhedrin answers this kasha by saying, Elisha, Elisha, Elisha too, that this guy, because he bothered Tamachacham, was in Cherem. When a person is in Cherem, then you are able, in fact, the Gemara says when a person is in Cherem, you curse him, you do a bunch of things to him. So the Chazanish says that Barhedja's curse came because he was in Cherem. Now, according to the Chazanish, comes a very interesting when his Cherem becomes released, the curses get released. So according to the Chazanish, it's a justification for what Rava did, but then the curses can be can be released, which is not mashma from the Gemara. So that's just an interesting interesting fact. Right? He says the Bedina Kalayit because because the Gemara says. I mean, first of all, the, the sources of Rashi and Parshas Kerech that that if if you if you, a person bothers a Shliach Bezdin or a Rav or something like that. If Mavaz Tamachachim, he gets in Cherem. Yeah, so the Chazanish is making an assumption that that happened, yes. On the first point, what about the Gemara we had with Vermeer and Buria? They were like Hagamachainik, and he, he got all annoyed and yeah. said, like, Hashim Ahirim. Yeah. So why didn't say he should just curse them? Right, so that's Pashtus, what, what he was munning, what she was munning him. Like, you can't curse them. You can curse the sins and hope that they do tshuva, but you can't curse the person. Yeah, that's Pashtus what she was mourning him. How could you do that? Good, good, good Tushto. You know, had a fit, yeah. So Barhedja said, I need to do radical tshuva. Omar, Akam the Egli. I'm going to go into self-imposed exile. And we know that Golis is Mechaperis. We know a lot of famous Yidin, the Baal Shem Salanter, in order to purify themselves, they went into Golis. When a person goes into Gullus, it's mamash machaper because, because everything that a person has, all his comforts, 
are from his surroundings. You come from a place everyone knows you. You walk in the store, everyone says hi to you. Your kids are in the schools. Everything's, everything's heimish. And then you go to a new city, you're garnished. So the, that experience of being uprooted is a terribly painful experience. And it's machaper. That's why Gullus is machaper. So he said, I'm going to go into Gullus. So, uh, so he said, I'm going to get up and go in Gullus. Like we've learned, Gullus, going into Gullus, machaperis oven. Come, he got up, Gulli lebeiroimoi. He went into exile in Rome. Ozul Yosef Apischa Deresh Torzina. He shows up in Rome. He sat on the steps of Reish Torzina, which is the treasury. The treasury had nice steps. Looks, looks inviting. He sat down on the steps of the treasury. Demalka of the king. As it happened, Reish Torzina Chazachalma, the chief treasurer, had a dream. He went over to Barhedja, and he said, I heard you, uh, you tell dreams. I had a dream last night. Chazi Chalma, I saw a dream that a needle went in my fingers. Now, add this to the list of like bizarrenesses. Barhedja didn't learn his lesson. He went like this. Cha-ching. So he said, you have cash? Amalei Havli Zuzi, give me money. The treasurer said, are you out of your mind? You showed up in this country yesterday and you want money from me? I'm the chief treasurer. Vlayava, he didn't give him. Barhedja learned a little lesson. He just kept quiet. He didn't interpret it badly. He just kept quiet. Next night he had another dream. I had a dream that worms were crawling in and out of two of my fingers. Malay, Barhedja said, no, cha-ching, pay up. Amalei havli zuza, didn't say nothing. Finally, the third night, he said, I saw there are worms in my entire hand. So, Barhedja said, okay, I'll tell you what it means. You're the king's, you're the king's treasure. Now, in those days, it doesn't mean that you raise interest rates if you're in charge of the treasury. Jerome Powell. It means you are, you manage the king's physical assets. So what's the king's physical assets? Gold, silver, precious metals, diamonds, and silks. A big, especially in Persia, a big part of the king's assets, physical, hard assets, is silks. And he told them it means that they're silkworm. They're worms that ate through all of the king's silks, which is under your care. So your hand, which is your job, was your handiwork was eaten by worms. So, worms invaded the entire silks of the king. Of course, word reached the king very quickly that his entire silk collection was wiped out. They arrested him, they brought him in, and they were marching him out to kill him. They were going to kill him. At which point he said, you know, even in those days, they gave the condemned one last statement. And he said, why are you killing me? I, you know, like, I, listen, maybe I was a little derelict. But this guy over there, he knew the whole time what was happening. For four days, you know how much I could have saved in all those days? For days, he knew that this was going on. 
And he kept quiet. Why are you killing me? Kill him. I know my icy. I know my. Why me? Isa Lahai, bring him. Dahaviyada, he knew Vlayomar. King said, Yeah, you're right. Asula Barhedja, they brought Barhedja, and they finally told him what we wanted to tell him for the whole Ambud. Amrile, they told him, Amtu Zuze Didach, because of the money that didn't reach you, all of the king's silks were destroyed, we're going to kill you. And they devised an exquisite method of death. What they did was, Kfisu train arzi. They bent over two cedar trees. So a cedar tree is huge and it's mighty and it's pretty stiff. But if you have enough strength, you could bend two cedar trees. So they took two cedar trees and they bent them all the way to the ground and they tied them, they fastened them to the ground. Right? Kafisu, they bent over, train arzi, two cedar trees, bechabla, with a string. They tied one of his legs to one cedar tree. And his other leg to the other cedar tree, obviously in the wrong direction. The left leg to the right cedar tree and the right leg to the left cedar tree. And they untied the string until the cedar trees sprung back into form. Each cedar tree went back to its original position. And they reset. And he was split in two. And so ends the story of Barhegia. Gullus didn't work. He didn't experience enough of Gullus for it to work. Or the curse of a Chacham is inescapable. Um, you know, what, what's the justice in splitting him in two? There's some poetry in that you took a buy and rub his dreams that were identical and split them violently. You split them unnaturally. You condemned Rava to Saris at the same time you gave Abaya Gishmakai. If you could unnaturally split two things that really are bad bad, are really twin dreams, are really twin items, we're going to show you the power of forcing something to be split unnaturally. And you, your essence, is going to be split in two. And there went Barhaj. Is this a possible card for um, whichever Mandarin that say that the Rabbani Shalom is not involved in every little thing on earth? And this is, you can, you can, you can make your own way or things happen to you without him. Like, the fact that Rava, just because our head you you're making a great point the problem is we have to respect both of those opinions so it's not we can't bring a riot to the Ramban versus the Archaim or the Archaim versus the Rambam or the Ramchal versus the Archaim because you're talking about great in your debate that you just brought up you're talking about Gedalel both sides need for answering so like the Tzad that human Bechira can can trump everything, so you're saying this, this Gemara is awesome. Like the Tzad that human Bechira can't trump everything, we still need to answer this Gemara. You're right, but we still need to. Continues the Gemara with this notion that you can save someone from a bad dream with a good interpretation. Says the Gemara, 
Shal ben Dama ben Achais Yisrael Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Shmuel, his sister had a kid, meaning his nephew. His name was Ben Dama. So he brought some dreams to his uncle Rabbi Shmuel. Es Rabbi Shmuel. I saw my cheeks fall off the bone. I'm like, it's very simple. What that means is, you know, it's good. he's a good uncle and he's a good nephew, so he's going to interpret the dream positively. Now, it sounds pretty gory, the dream. He says, you know what that means? It means, two Roman officers, they ratted on you. That's, that's where the cheek comes in. Two Roman officers tattled on you. Umesu, but they died, so the cheek melted away. And that's the interpretation of the dream. So, you were in potential trouble, but you were saved. Amalei bar kapara l'rebi. Bar kapara told his rebi, rebi. Reisi chait meishanoshar. I saw my nose fall off in a dream. I said, oh, that's a great dream. Nose represents anger. V'chara af Hashem. V'chara api bayim ahu. Hashem's anger went away from you. Amazing. Amalei charein af nestalik mumcha. Anger went away from you. Amalei reisi shnei yadei shenechtechu. I saw my arms get cut off. Terrible dream because no, it's an amazing dream. You know what it means? It means you're not going to have to work another day in your life. Your arms represent your ability to make money. It means you're going to win the lottery tomorrow. You're not going to have to work another day in your life. You're not going to need to work anymore. Great. I saw my two legs were cut off. I'm like, you know what that means? You're going to have a driver. You're not going to need to use your legs anymore. You're going to have mamish limousine service door to door. You're going to ride on a horse, a limousine. I saw in a dream that says you're going to die in Adar. And you're not even going to see this coming Nisan. It sounds like a terrible dream. He goes, no, no, no. What it means is as follows. Only Ba'adrusa Misas. Adar is a lotion of Hadar, is a lotion of glory. You are going to die in a glory. You're going to die with such a wonderful name. Nisan also means Nisayin. You're never even going to be tested. Your reputation is going to be so, so sterling, it's never going to be put to the test. Okay, now we talk about a guy who's going to basically reveal all his nasty stuff on his sleeve. We're just going to read one line about this, and then we'll get back to the story tomorrow. But this is a, a Pesach to talk about dreams for real. For one minute, for one minute then we'll stop tonight. We'll get back into it tomorrow. Bishmal, we saw a few lines ago, was an experienced dream teller. Stuki comes to him, he says, I had the weirdest dream last night. I was pouring olive oil into olives. Meaning, we usually get olive oil from olives. I was pouring the olive oil back into the olives. He says, you know what that means? Only bali, mate. That means you did be with your mother. And we'll see later, the guy admitted, guilty as charged. So, I want to stop here and tell you a shayla that I saw in Rabbi Yitzchak Zilberstein. Now, Rabbi Yitzchak Zilberstein is from the G'day Dark. If all these shaylas that happened to him are true, it's amazing. So, I mean, for that matter, Rabbi Ron Yitzchak Eisman has the most incredible stories every week in Mishpah. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. Anyway, Akitzer, he brings the following Shiloh, Yitzchak Zilberstein. The Shiloh is amazing, but the Lundus is, is, is the key to this sugya. There is a guy in court 
who's being accused, not accused, he's being mugged for a lot of money. And the star witness of the prosecution was a guy with a checkered reputation. And, and in court, in the proceedings, the guy on trial, who was about to lose a lot of money, said, the witness is like, you know, very, very, very checkered individual. You know, very bad reputation. To which the witness responded, I am a kosher yid. I'll prove it to you. I had a dream a few nights ago that I poured olive oil into olives. And like this guy thought, like, oh, that's a cool dream. Like, because he like heard this Gemara once. And like everyone in court was like, <laughs> holy cow. So, end of Gishmaka part of the story. But where Yitzchak Zilverstein took this opportunity, he, first he dealt with, which we're going to have in, in Dafyemi soon, another Mesimatsmei Russia. Is another Mesimatsmei Russia even by accident? Which is what this is. This guy accidentally admitted he's a Russia. He didn't mean to. So that's half of the tshuva. The other half of the tshuva is how do we deal with dreams? Do dreams have any significance in halacha or not? So, the honest truth is, and everyone points this out, there are two Gemaras and Shas, and they're mamish diametrically opposed. And both of these Gemaras are lahalacha lamais. There's a Gemara in Sanhedrin that says a guy's father comes to him in a dream and says, listen, I never told you this. I have millions of dollars socked away in such and such a place. Go dig it up. Here it's such and such a place, under such and such a building millions of dollars that's mine. That's the good news. The bad news is it's all my Sershani money. Haha. <laughs> so you could say, oh, the dream baloney. The guy went to this such and such location, exactly followed the instructions, dug, found millions of dollars in coin. Now what? Now what? So you can't tell me this dream is baloney. Because out of the blue, his father came to him and describe to him exactly where the money would be, and it's there. His father can't be alive. His father's dead. But, but his father also said it's Meister Shani. So the Gemara says, no problem. You don't have to listen to dreams. You found money. Ignore the dream. They dreamed baloney. I, what are you crazy? How do you think I came across? I drove down North Avenue, took a left. Don't worry. The fact that you found it from a dream, who cares? Ignore that part. Ignore the Meister Shani part for sure. You could keep all the money, gay S and Gesundheit. Hey, you're a millionaire. You don't owe one dime to Meister Shani. Don't worry about it. That's one Gemara in Sanhedrin. There's another Gemara in Nadarim, which is also Paschal Halacha. The Gemara in Nadarim says if you have a dream and they put you in Cherim in your dream, you need to get your cherem released. You are in cherem. You have to act in cherem. You have to treat yourself like a person who is a menuda with a bunch of dinim. He can't walk in four amas of people. It's going to cost in the Beis HaKvaris. There's a lot enough communists to person being in cherem, and all of them apply to you if you had a dream that they put you in cherem. Zestirin Gemaris. So the Tajbets, who's a later region, Tajbe says, how do you resolve these Gemaras? 
Says the Tashbet, it's a brilliant lumpus. We had a Gemara in the beginning of the Sugya that said there are two sources for dreams. Shade and Malach. If it comes from a shade, it's an, ac- it's an inaccurate dream. If it comes from a Malach, it's an accurate dream. Says the Tashbet's gorgeous. It comes out that every dream is a suffix, true or false. So says the Tashbets, the way you deal with dreams is the way you deal with any suffix. So when the question in mind is a money question, suffix mamin, you can't be mighty using a dream. When the question in mind is an iser, suffix, iser lechomra, says the Tajbe is the most brilliant chap, that since the nature of a dream, the Gemara said, every dream can have two sources, true source, false source, malach, shade. So every dream is a suffix. The way you deal with dreams is the way you deal with suffix throughout all of halacha. Suffix, mamin, sheval taisa. You can't take away my money, my suffix. It's a regular suffix. By Nidoi, where it's an Iser, says the Tajbet, suffix is l'chumra. So we have to deal with the l'chumra. So Rebitzchak Zilberstein brings this Tajbet, you know, the Tajbet is totally independent. The, the Tajbet is saying every dream is a suffix. And therefore, the way to deal with dreams is just plug in how you deal with a suffix. The regular halachas of every suffix apply to a dream because every dream by nature is a suffix true, suffix false. And that answers the steering of Mars. We'll stop here.